0: Welcome to 2021. I hope you've had an incredible start to the new year that you're getting over all the food you've eaten Christmas, caught up with friends now that the country's open and all those things are happening. As we go into this new year, our theme for the year is restore and that God's going to restore double. But I want to finish the series that we started at the end of the year, on hope, because I want you to bring hope into the new year. Not just any kind of hopeful, wishful thinking, but something that comes from the God of all hope. Paul says in Romans 15 and verse 13, May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice how much of this hope comes from the heart of God, the presence of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not you stirring something up. It's you being awakened to the hope that there is in Jesus Christ. The problem is sometimes we don't see it, and that's because of our heart condition. Jesus quotes from the prophet Isaiah speaking to people when he was on planet Earth. And he makes this remarkable comment. He says, they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you won't understand. And when you see see what I do, you will not comprehend For the hearts of these people are hardened. And the thing is, sometimes we harden our heart against God, but other times, circumstances we toughen up and inadvertently we've hardened our heart and it stops us from perceiving spiritual things. You can actually see something but not see it, hear something and not hear it, observe it but not understand what God's doing. And God wants you to see hope. He wants you to hear his voice of hope. He wants you to comprehend the incredible hope that he has for you. Paul speaks about this a little bit in the book of Romans in chapter eight, verse six and seven, where he says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So I want to pray right now and just say, God, if there's any hardness in our hearts that causes us to see but not really see, to hear but not really listen, that stops us from comprehending the stuff you want to do in our lives in 2021, Lord, would you soften my heart and I submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we ask you right now that as you bring the power of God and the presence of Jesus to bear, into our circumstance where we're watching this right now, into our lives, you would soften our hearts. You'd awaken something that you'd give us ears to hear what you have to say to us about hope in 2021. You see, God is the creator who can change hearts. In fact, we're dependent on it. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6, it says, for God who said, let there be light in darkness. He's tying this to the creation story has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. The God who spoke creative light into the darkness and the chaos at the beginning of time is the one who can speak the creative light of the person of Jesus Christ into your life, your circumstance, awakening you to spiritual things and awakening you to the hope that He has for you. I want to continue in this thought of prayer and pray a prayer over us, over myself, over you from the Apostle Paul. When in Ephesians 1 verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart... May be enlightened. Remember, we talked earlier about seen but not seen. You see, there's seen with your natural eyes, but there's seen with the eyes of your heart. And Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So here's a prayer that we've been taking from Romans 15, 30, and I introduced it already, but let me repeat it. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about those three words a little bit that are found in that prayer. Obviously, hope. Secondly, the whole issue of joy and then peace that comes to you as you trust in Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God is a God of hope, and I pray that He'd fill you with hope, fill you with joy, fill you with peace, that you won't be filled with despair or anxiety or desire to quit. So let's start with the first one, hope. Hope is understanding that sowing godly seed into your life brings a divine reward. Galatians 6 verse 9, So let us not get tired of doing what is good. For at the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Some of the most powerful seed that you can sow into your life is endurance, just the attitude. God, I'm not a quitter. I'm not giving up. I still believe in hope. I dare to hope with the words of Jeremiah. I hope, and I'm going to continue to do good things. I'm going to continue to look for opportunity to be a blessing to others and sow seeds because I'm believing that I will reap a harvest. Secondly, hope is understanding that if God begins a work in you, he will complete it. I love these words of the apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. And remember, Paul's in prison. He's waiting for the day of his execution. And yet this book is filled with such optimism, with such joy because his hope is an eternal one. His joy is connected to an eternal God of joy. But listen to what he prays. I am certain, one translation which I prefer says, I'm confident that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until he's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I'm confident that if God started something in you, He's going to finish. As long as you fulfill the first thought, don't give up. You may feel discouraged. You may feel a little bit lost. But if God starts something in you, He promises to finish it. The Lord will complete that which concerns me in His plan and His purpose. Hope is not found in comparing yourself to others. That's often where we lose hope. I'm not as good as, I'm not like. And we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to others, but committing ourselves to what God has called us to do. Because there's hope in that, there's purpose in that, there's direction in that. Paul, speaking about some apostles who were false apostles and leading people astray, and bra- they were bragging about how good they were, makes this observation. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Whenever you get into the comparison thing, it's not a wise thing to do. You'll either become arrogant thinking you're better than somebody or you'll become discouraged thinking you're not as good as them. But you're not meant to be them. God has made you unique. God has called you to be you. And so Paul goes on to say, We will confine our boasting to the sphere of service. God himself has assigned to us a sphere that also includes you. And I'd encourage you, pray this prayer. God, show me my sphere of influence. Show me my sphere of ministry, not just in church life, but in life. What is it that you wired me to do? And who are the people that you called me to do it? Because you see, it's a sphere of influence that includes people. Look for God opportunity. And in those, you'll see God work and it'll strengthen the hope that is in your heart. But he also talked about being filled with joy. And joy, number one, starts off as seeing God as your supernatural provider. And there's an incredible promise in the book of Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 10. And some of you are familiar with this. But again, listen to the promisingness. He says, bring all your tithes, that's a tenth of your income, into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple, in my house. But here's the promise. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test, God says. We're told in other places of Scripture Don't test the Lord. Don't push your luck in other words. But here he says, don't test me. And I love the abundance of God. He says, you bring the 10th and I'm going to fling open the windows of heaven and I'm going to pour out blessing on your lives. There's joy in that. There's joy in giving and there's joy in the receiving. Joy comes from understanding the reality of who you were before you found Jesus, and who you are in Christ. And we could go on with this for a long time, but I'm not, I'm going to be concise here. Who you were. I love these words in 1 Corinthians six eleven, where Paul lists a whole lot of sins and brokenness that is part of the human condition. And then he draws this conclusion. And such were some of you, but, but, I want you to hear this. are people right now that need to hear. This. Yeah, you did those things. Yeah, last year was terrible. Yeah, you did some uh, inappropriate things. Yeah, you did some sinful things. But that's who you were. It's not who you are. And such was some of you. But you are washed. You are sanctified. And you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I love the fact. Then no matter what we've done, there's power in the blood of Jesus to wash you clean from all your sins, to wash you clean from all your sins. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus that the power of that salvation then sanctifies us, sets us apart for God's plan, God's purpose. There is no greater joy than discovering why you were put on the planet by God, why he created you. And you are justified. You are put into a perfect relationship before you get anything right, do anything right. God says, I accept you unconditionally on the authority of all that Jesus did. Oh, I love that. But this is who you were, but notice you've been transformed. And in Romans 8 and verse 37, knowing all these things, and Paul has just listed a whole lot of things. When he lists them, maybe he was looking kind of into 2020 and go, oh, the things. In fact, he was actually looking at even worse things, things, severe persecution and famine and all sorts of stuff. And he says, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, I want you to catch this. You are more than a conqueror. You are victorious, not because you're strong and stronger than everybody else. You are strong because God's on your side. He loves you, He's for you, and He's not against you. Joy also comes from the fact that God knew every single foolish or stupid thing you or I would do and still loves us and still says, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. One of my favourite characters in the Bible is Simon Peter, because he kind of blunders into things, but what God loves about him is his heart, his passion, his spontaneity to do his best. And when Jesus is facing the cross, the crucifixion, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you He's not just talking about Simon, yeah. He's talking to all the disciples like wheat. But I've pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. So when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brother, strengthen other people. I want you to catch this. You see, Jesus knew that Simon, despite all his bravado, Lord, I'll never deny you the rest of them, but I'm not was going to deny him three times, that Simon would be broken by that experience. But Jesus says, Simon, I want you to remember these words. I knew you were going to do that, but I still want you to be a part of what I'm doing. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that your faith doesn't fail. And when you come back, yeah, you're going to have to sort a few things out in your heart, get stuff right with me again. But when you come back, be a blessing to others. And what joy is there in that? Knowing that even when you fail, even when you do something stupid, that if you repent and turn back to Jesus, he says, come on, let's go. You've got something to share. You've got something to invest in others. You've discovered hope in the situation. You've discovered joy. You've discovered restoration. We can move on. So we've talked about hope. We've talked about joy because he wants you to be full of those things. But he also says, I want you to be full of peace. And peace comes from knowing that it's not tied to your circumstances, but to a promise from Jesus. If we can only find peace when our circumstances are peaceful, we won't have much peace in this life. There's always something that's disrupting, unsettling, uncertain, But the peace that we are offered is a peace that is peaceful even in the midst of the storm. Jesus demonstrated that by by being able to sleep while the disciples, some of them experienced fishermen's panicked in the storm. And so he says to them, and I love these words in John 14, 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. He says, don't buy into the world's kind of peace that is the absence of conflict, the absence of difficulty, the absence of a storm. He says, and I'm giving you a far more precious gift. It's the gift of peace. It's my peace. This eternal God who brings peace into his life. He's never troubled. He's never disturbed by the circumstances. He says, I'm going to give you that kind of peace. You see, you can have peace even when you don't understand what's going on. That's a promise from Philippians 4, 7. Then you will experience God's peace that exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Man, there's such richness in those words. You will experience not human peace, God's peace. And that peace exceeds, goes beyond your comprehension. You can be in the middle of a situation, I don't understand. I don't know what to do. And you can still experience the peace of God for your heart and for your mind. And he says, this is peace that I give to you. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But I give it to you. And it's found in Jesus Christ. You see, peace comes from focusing on Jesus, not your problems. Isaiah 26 verse 3, I can remember learning this as a very young Christian. That was a long time ago and it's kept me in good stead. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and those whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace, perfect peace, those who trust in you and whose thoughts are fixed on you. A final thought on peace is, Peace comes by understanding that the things that are over my head are still under the feet of Jesus. I want you to catch that thought. I love that. Things that are over my head, way above my pay grade, beyond my comprehension, things that are over my head, no matter how big they are, are still under the feet of Jesus. And out of that. He gives a promise. Again, Romans 16 and verse 20. The God of peace. You see, he's the God of all hope, but he's the God of peace as well. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. You see, you may be facing a situation where the enemy has attacked you, attacked you. Well, he has a promise: The God of peace will give you the power to crush Satan's head under your feet because he's empowering you with grace, he's giving you hope, he's filling you with joy, simply as you trust him. See that's what God continually calls us to do to put our trust in him. Romans 15 verse 13 again, this verse that has anchored the series. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, you're not called to trust your own ability. You're not called to trust technology as good as it is I love all the techno stuff in our modern world you're not even called to trust your strategy or your planning or your gifting all of those things are good and God can use them you're called to put your trust in the person of Jesus who loves you who laid down his life for you who died for you and rose victorious conquering all things Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 is a great verse to live by in this area of trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. What a great way to start the year. To say, God, to the best of my ability, I'm going to trust you with all my heart. I'm going to use my brain, but I'm not going to lean on that. What I'm leaning on is that I, as I trust you, as I seek your will, you will lead and guide me and I will come into a good place. I will come into the promise of restoration and fullness and blessing that you have in store for me in 2021. And all of this is undergirded by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's why we need God in our lives. That's why we need Jesus, because He causes us to be born again to a living hope by the power of the resurrection. It's kind of, guys, He came back from the dead. Listen to what He says. Because only Jesus can give you real meaning in your life. And as I said earlier, one of life's greatest joys comes from knowing God's plan and purpose for your life and then beginning to live in it. Secondly, we need Jesus every single day of our lives. He wants to walk with you. Discipleship, this biblical concept, is walking with something and experiencing life with them. And Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm not going to abandon you in the midst of a situation. And as I walk with you, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to show you the way when you think there is no way. Finally, you need Christ for eternity. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And you don't understand before the judgment seat of God by yourself saying, I did it my way didn't need you, you want to be standing there with Jesus by your side, the Saviour who loves you, died for you and rose from the dead for you. Him saying, this is my son, this is my daughter, this is our child and ushering you into eternity. And you can do that very simply by praying a prayer because Jesus said, if you publicly acknowledge me on earth before people, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. And if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will experience salvation. I want you to catch this. You will experience God's salvation that comes through the person of Jesus Christ.